Hello, cryptid-loving listeners. As a friendly reminder from us here at the Don't Touch My Sasquatch podcast, we frequently make crude jokes, sprinkle our sentences with naughty words, and discuss mature content. Most of which may not be appropriate for all age groups. Listener discretion is advised. Now please enjoy. Before we reach it, we will place a hood over your head. It will be removed at your destination. If you are hungry... Sandwiches are available. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You may smoke. So we're going squatching. We're going squatching, bitches. Welcome back to Don't Touch My Sasquatch podcast. We are your hosts. I am Josh. And I continue to be Lennon. In DDO, buckaroo. Uh, yeah. Ingo Swap is not what I want to start with. I'm sorry. That's uh, fine. We explore controversial topics with energy and a good laugh for two guys that have a love and passion for these topics. Things they may have heard of, but don't know the full stories of yet. We're here to tell you those stories, groom our beards, share our opinions, and let you come to your own conclusions. We'll do the research... You don't have to. Keep your mind open to the possibilities of things they just might not be as they experience as they appear. As they experience. Huh. Ingo Swan, a renowned remote viewer and psychic researcher, as we discussed in part one from London. Beautiful job, by the way. Thank you. Was no stranger to secrecy and extraordinary experiences. Mm-hmm. But one encounter one encounter stands above. The rest. Yeah, not accountant, my bad. One encounter stands out above the rest. In 1975, he received a phone call. A phone call from a man. A man that only went by the name Axelrod. Little is known about this man, but the impact that this encounter had would change the course of Ingo's life forever. Who is this mysterious man, and what did he want with Ingo Swan? Well, sit back, relax, and let's dive into Ingo Swan Part 2. Axelrod! It's a badass name. It is a cool name. And as I told you before, Axelrod, I am imagining in my head, is looking like Cecil from Invincible. Yeah! Do you know know what I'm talking about, I do, I do. Yep, the old guy. I do, I do. (laughs) I do. Porque. So, for all you uh, at home, visualize that then. That's right. Well, let's, let's begin our story okay. where you, Lennon, left off, 1975. About two years after the Jupiter probe, mm-hmm. Ingo Swan received a phone call in late February of t- 1975 from a high-placed individual and friend in Washington, D.C., who we met several occasions during his past. This individual stated in the call that a Mr. Axelrod was going to telephone him, and if he could manage to do so... Could he try and do whatever he asked and ask no questions mm-hmm. himself? Mm-hmm. When Ingo asked who exactly was Mr. Axelrod, his friend stated that he couldn't tell him because he didn't know himself. But it was very important he did what he wanted, Axelrod wanted. Mm-hmm. This wasn't an unusual thing to uh, Mr. Ingo Swan. As many times he had been approached and asked to remotely view things, as in, as you know, the CIA yeah. bases and all that stuff. In other, in some other 
occurrences, the individual is asked for an, an oh boy, I knew this word was gonna get me. Anonymity. 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 None of that's right. Ah, fuck it. You know what I mean. Ah, fuck. Secrecy. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Secrecy. Despite people being desperate, blah, desperate people do desperate things, such as consult psychics. Despite the sense of urgency, though, this mysterious fellow named Axelrod, well, he didn't call until about four weeks later. When he did call, though, he called at about 3 a.m. in the morning. It's a great time to call. Yeah. That's, I, I don't know why you would call so late, but just... Well, there's a good chance that he wasn't around anybody. Well, yeah, I guess. I, you know, we never knew. Also, he was married maybe or, it's a time difference. Well, that would be midnight. I mean, we're in the U.S., and Axelrod is stationed in Washington, D.C., so. And he was at SRI, right? You are correct. So I guess there is a difference. Aha! I'm a sleuth! (laughs) But he was in New York City for this encounter. Never mind! That's right, he was, because he flew from New York City. Anyways, at first he didn't remember who the hell Axelrod was, as he was jolted out of a deep sleep, mm-hmm. I mean, if, I wouldn't remember either. If you got a middle of the night phone call, I'd be like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. Lennon? Who's Lennon? Oh, that's, Never that's right. Him. Never got it. Him. Never heard of him. <laughs> but after that was straightened out, Axelrod asked Ingo, can, I forgot you, can you get to Washington, D.C. by noon today? I know it is short notice. Nordish. Short, oh, fuck me. No. He asked Ingo, can you get to Washington, D.C. by noon today? I know it is short notice, but we would be very appreciative if you could. We will reimburse you for all of your time and expenses. Mm -hmm. Sounds good to me. Remembering that his friend told him not to ask questions, so he said he would go and he would be there. To this, Axelrod said, good, but we cannot meet you at the airport. Are you familiar with the Museum of Natural History at the Smithsonian? Ingo said he was, and Axelrod told him to that as soon as he got there, to go stand near the elephant in the central rotunda. But there, but there, ha. Mm-hmm. Be there at noon, and you'll be contacted. Do exactly as the contact asks. His only requirement is that he tells no one where he was going, and if he was unable to do so... Then they would forget this whole conversation happened. Yeah. As one would. Right. He goes like, yeah, I got sure, it. I'll got be it. there. Sold. Ingo said he could do that, but couldn't resist the urge to ask just, just one question. Mm-hmm. A very good question, in my opinion. Yeah. How will I recognize who is supposed to contact me? Uh-huh. Good question. That is a good question. Fair enough. response, though, was, uh, don't worry, we know what you look like. <laughs> well, great. They are calling him in the get g- government agency. Yes, I, I did stutter for a second, so I <laughs> yeah, get to get over. There's our standard scatting. Axel Rob. <laughs> well, after the phone call and after they hung up, Axel not Axel Rod. I'm sorry, Ingo Swan got up and contemplated this for a short time in the noisy darkness of New York City, mm-hmm. thinking that if it wasn't for his highly placed friend in D.C. He would have probably passed on this opportunity as it feels too questionable to proceed with what was going on in 1975. Yeah. The world was still in the grips of the Cold War. Mm -hmm. There were Soviet spies everywhere. 
could it be a Soviet spy is what he was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, himself and his research colleagues at Stanford, SRI, which is a Stanford Research Institution, SRI. Yes. Would speculate that, that the KGB would naturally be interested in what they were doing. This led them to believe that one of them could be kidnapped and used mm. by them. Uh, luckily, though, this wasn't the case, though, as off he went. What secrets does Dairy Queen hold? Uh, 21 fucking flavors. <laughs> Wrong place. That's, that's Baskin Robbins. My bad. <laughs> God, I got my ice cream places mixed up. Oh, shit. All right. Well, Ingo went to, oh, Washington. Right. <laughs> to Washington, D.C. and decided to get there early mm-hmm. to go and see the magnificent minerals and crystals housed at the Museum of Natural History, as he also enjoyed viewing them for years. Uh, he got aroused by him, I think it said. Or uh, excuse me? Something like that. He was aroused by... I, I don't know if they... I think they meant aroused by a different way. I don't think they meant like he got fucking stiff as a board. He got bricked up looking <laughs> he was, at that troglodyte. Like, yeah, that three-foot crystal really does it for me. I gotta go to the bathroom now. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow. Unfor- unfortunately, while viewing this three-foot giant crystal, his mind was elsewhere. And... He was nervous about the upcoming meeting, as I would be too. I don't know about you, but let's get the fuck out of me. At noon, he went to the giant elephant and guessed he was supposed to act like any other tourist, so he started staring at it and pretending he was interested in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right? Look at that. Imagine being <laughs> that thing. Yeah, where the fuck is this person? I mean, great. Look at that. Does it have a unit? Absolutely does. Yeah. <laughs> That's a unit right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not gonna touch that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't touch the uh, Sasquatch. Don't touch the, the elephant, sir. This is just a don't do it. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen this thing, though? <laughs> yes, sir. I look at it well every doubt. day. <laughs> well in doubt, three foot. <laughs> uh, then from behind him, he heard Mister Swan. When he turned around, he was immediately. I said that word. He was immediately <laughs> when he turned around. He was immediately handed a card that said, "Please do not speak or ask any questions. This is for our safety as well as yours." Thank you. All right. Well, let's see if he listens to this one. The guy that handed him the card was staring at him with burning green eyes, and Ingo knew he meant business. Yeah. Yeah. It's the green. It's the dead giveaway. <laughs> green like money. <laughs> You have blue eyes, though. Don't not say working. anything. I'm already speaking. <laughs> this is how you um, If I was him and we turned around and walked away, I'd be like, so where are we going? Hey, what's the, why here? Fuck. <laughs> Immediately forget. <laughs> Damn it. The card again. Uh, so he did as the card stated. There were two of them. And from what Ingo could tell, they were twins. Oh. Thus nicknamed... Going forward as the twins yes. in the book. Oh, by the way, the information comes from the book Penetration mm-hmm. by Ingo Swan. Yes. Now, not to be fooled by the, the book that Lennon almost bought. Did, what was that called? I did not. <laughs> you almost bought it. I did not. Was it called Double Penetration? It's called Double Penetration. <laughs> That's a great book. I looked up Penetration, Ingo Swan, <laughs> Kindle, and it popped up as Penetration by Ingo Swan, and then right under it, it was Double Penetration, a girl's camp fantasy or something like that. And I was like, this would be a funny one. So I screenshotted it and sent it to you. And I said, was this the one you got? Yeah, 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 that's the one I got, Double Penetration. After I was done with Double Penetration, I then read, listened to Penetration by Ingo Swan, 
And this is where the information is so, going. I would say definitely, this, though, listen to the book or read the book because it is an incredible book. What Both book? books. <laughs> I don't know about the other one. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not all about double penetration. Oh, shit. This got yeah. weird. Oh, <laughs> naughty, naughty. What are you going to ask? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, double penetration made his mind clear. All right. So the one that handed Ingo the card mm -hmm. then pulled out a photo of him and he started studying the face, well, Ingo's face, I should say, sure. to the photo. <laughs> he then grabbed Ingo's hand like he was going to shake it and uh, he compared the tattoo on Ingo's wrist to another photo he had. Interesting. Probably just making sure it's an actual person, not a KGB spy. He pulled out his underwear and looked at the string and or the... the Sweatband in his said <laughs> property of Ingo Swan. Good, good, good. He then opened it up a little more and said, Good. He's got a full diaper. He's got a full he's, diaper. He's good. He's good. He needs changing, but we're ready to go. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you wore the diaper, sir. You're shitting your pants. It's just not way to go right now. <laughs> he then nodded his head, not Ingo, but the one twin nodded his head to the other twin who then came over and repeated the same thing that the one twin did. Yeah. Twin one and twin two. I don't know which is which, but in this case, twin two came over to the I same remember what I was going to say. What's up? We got another set of invincible characters, the twins. What are you talking about? The twins. There was Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, you said it very serious. <laughs> Usually sarcasm it has Sa a little bit of a tone to it. <laughs> Not my sarcasm. <laughs> or in the boys, the twins. So... Remember them? Sex party? Twins? Mm. They got destroyed by uh, yeah, yeah. Dean Winchester? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, seeming satisfied, they initialed what looked like a check sheet that was in a, what looked like an address book. Fair and enough. then Ingo followed one twin out of the museum door while the other twin was directly behind him. So they sandwiched him. It was a twin sandwich. Oh, God. Let me rephrase it. It was an Ingo swan sandwich. It was a swan sandwich. We went on a journey, but we got there. I took a ride. So they got into a nondescript car that was a little dirty on the outside, he said, yeah. but immaculate in the inside. Oh. The driver, she never looked at him. She only looked straight. The twins on either side of him now, well, not the twins. The twins were on either side, but one yeah. of the twins gave him a card, and this card read, do not speak. You may smoke if you want. <laughs> it's encouraged. You. I mean, he was a smoker, but the, the, yeah, 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 yeah. It's encouraged. They drove away and once out of Washington, D.C. And as they were going, Ingo thought they were going to be going to the CIA headquarters. But once they passed where that was, he realized they're not going to the CIA headquarters. He said, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, where are we going? Uh, but after they got out of Washington, D.C., they gave him yet another card. And this one read, please do not take this personally. But we are required to check your person and clothing for weapons or books. Mm -hmm. They did so, even as far as unzipping his pants and digging into his shorts. <laughs> After they both initialed the mysterious check sheet again in the address book. The line hung. <laughs> Fucking 17 inches. That's check. It. Jesus Christ. Either that or he has a gun in there. I don't know which, <laughs> but it's huge. Huge. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, it drove for a while after this. Yep. And once again, another card. Okay. It read, you are being taken to a heliport for further transportation. Before we research it, nope. Before <laughs> we reach it, we will place a hood over your head 
It will be removed at your destination. If you are hungry, sandwiches are available. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You Um, may smoke, and there's sandwiches available. So good. Small finger sandwiches and light charcuterie board will be available upon arrival. (laughs) Here's some cigarettes. Here's a lighter. Enjoy until we put the hood on. It's a delicious brie. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to start smoking once you put the uh, the, uh, hood over, though, because it might catch on fire. (laughs) At this, Ingo then ate, even though his stomach was in knots as he was nervous. Sure. He concluded he was either being kidnapped or... Whatever was about to go down was extremely extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those would be my two fucking thoughts. I'm either getting kidnapped or this is going to be one hell of a ride. I'd be scared shitless. I'd be thinking I'm kidnapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's had experience in doing this type of stuff with not as much secrecy. So he's like, yeah, this maybe is how a little, aliens do. Yeah, maybe a little bit more real. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> aliens. Oh, I piqued his interest. They did... As they said, and placed a head over his hoat. Head over his hoat. <laughs> a hoat over his head. They then got into the helicopter and flew for roughly estimated half hour. He's giving rough estimates. But sure. How could you? Yeah. Once landed, they walked a distance, entered a door, and started descending. So they're in an elevator. They're going below ground. Mm-hmm. They proceeded to walk and do things to disorient him, like turn him around ten times before proceeding until he is finally pushed down into a chair. Excuse me, sir. He's thrown up in the bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it can beat it. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot have a mess on these floors. Unacceptable. No DNA left behind. <laughs> finally, a voice spoke to him after he was sat in the chair. The first time since this whole frightening encounter happened. Yeah. Uh, after, uh, I'm guessing he said, Mr. Swan, in the beginning, mm-hmm. nobody spoke. Imagine that for like three, four-hour trip, just silence. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this voice said, I'm going to remove your hood now, Mr. Swan, and thank you for coming, as well as putting up with our procedures. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a voice to do for him, so I did the fucking sex radio voice, I guess. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, the hood was then removed, and he examined his surroundings. So, surroundings. Mm-hmm. He was in a dimly lit room. The twins, nowhere to be seen. Just a man standing in front of him, wearing a dark green jumpsuit, smiling, and he had very kind eyes. Oh. Well, that's what did it. That's what did it. Ingo Swan dropped his pants and said, Come at me, big boy! Jesus. <laughs> like a weird None thing. of that happened. He did have kind eyes, though. Okay. The man introduced himself as Axelrod, which he stated was not his real name, as Ingo probably figured out already. It's a dope name. I like the name. That's why I used it for our laser tag. He said, and I quote, I cannot, I can answer no questions as to where you are or what we represent. But beyond that, I'm at your complete disposal with regards to anything that may pertain to the task ahead. Mm. Ingo choked out, What task then? Mm-hmm. Very insightful man. Yes. Axelrod smiled and said, First, there are some procedural matters. We will reimburse you for your expenses and provide you with, provide you what we will call an honorarium. This will be $1,000 de- per day. 
Will $1,000 per day be suitable? We will provide the cash before you leave. Hmm. A day? How many days? Axelrod said they knew he... W- Sorry. No. He- that, that, Axelrod didn't say that. Okay. That's in purple, so that means Ingo said that. <laughs> Axelrod said they knew he worked best in the morning, so they would start their task the next morning at whatever time was suitable for him. Mm-hmm. Ingo stated that seeing as they knew... But the morning thing, they must also know about the procedures at SRI. Mm-hmm. To which Axelrod responded, We know a great deal about you, Mr. Swan. You seem to be an exceptional man. Of course, it is your f- psychic, not physical, it is your psychic gifts we would like to try and employ with regards to the task. Mm-hmm. Axelrod requested that he re- never reveal any of the details about any of what happened there, including his presence now mm-hmm. to anyone. He said if any, if the circumstances were otherwise, they'd ask him to sign a secrecy agreement, but that they exist without leaving any paper trail for their mission. So there's no secrecy ag- agreement. So without a secrecy agreement, oath, I mean, he wasn't legally bound to secrecy, so they hoped that he would agree to not reveal anything for at least 10 years and that there was a very good reason for this because after 10 years, their mission will disappear. Mm-hmm. And if he couldn't see a way to uphold this agreement, they will give him a good dinner, they will discuss remote viewing, and they will get him back to New York City today. Or that night, not today, that yeah. night. Ingo said, I guess you knew I'd accept or I wouldn't be here, would I? Uh, that's true. <laughs> He's a smart man. I like it this is. guy. He's good. I like this guy. I like this guy. This guy. He's got some quips. He's got some nuts. Axelrod said, very good. We will work in this room. And there is an adjoining room with a bed and a TV for, that you can watch. Ignore the bars on the, the wall. <laughs> they're underground. There's no fucking bars on the wall. Oh, they're underground? Yeah, they're underground. That's elevator. Uh, elevator. <laughs> they had all the amenities, including a pool, a gym, and he could have anything he wanted to eat, just request it. Dope. If they had it. Let me rephrase. The way he put it was, we probably have anything you'd like to eat, just ask. Okay. First, your first meal to ask for, go. My first meal to ask for? Yeah. It's a good question. It's a good question. There's so many I would go for. I'd go for Wagyu steak. Mm-hmm. Grandma Brown baked beans, mm-hmm. especially now seeing as they're not made, so you're going to have to make them from scratch, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and corn on the cop. Oh, okay. that's my go-to right gotcha. now. How about you? Uh, I want like seven sushi rolls. Yeah? Yes. Just, okay, I've never had sushi. So a sushi roll is so a good. whole log, right? That's what yeah. you call a roll. Not, not like, one little. Yeah, okay, depending right. on the size. Of you, you I was about like to say, five. why did you get just like seven little guys? Yeah, you get like five to eight pieces out of okay. it. All right, you say sushi rolls. What would the seven consist of? Uh, there's so many different kinds I like. Also, I like um, the ones where it's just a little uh, oval of rice with mm-hmm. the raw sushi on top. Gotcha. I like the or sushi, the raw fish on top. I like those salmon uh, salmon ones. Gotcha. So probably a fuck ton of those because those are just one bite, one go. One bite, one probably go. Like 30 of them and seven oh. salmon rolls. I could just tear apart some sushi. Mm. I think I'm going to go get some sushi after we're done disc golfing tonight now. Sounds good. Uh, for all you listeners and watchers on YouTube, 
write down in the comments or go to our Facebook page if you're a listener. That's also in the description. Write what your meal of choice would be. What would your first meal be? Write it down. Let us know. I'd Fuck be interested yeah. to know. It's like it's like your last meal kind of thing. It but is, but it's the first. But more optimistic. <laughs> yeah, way more optimistic. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, we don't want to know your last meal because that's, little, you know, that's sad. Anyways, they then sat and Axelrod asked and Ingo, I keep wanting to call him Indigo, by the way, so if I do, I apologize, asked Ingo to tell him about remote viewing, which he did, as well as his background. So for this, Lennon went over that in uh, episode, what fucking episode we had? Episode 56, the part one of Ingo Swan. Yeah. He went over what remote viewing was, Ingo's past, yada, yada. <laughs> so go listen to that now. If you haven't, stop right now. Stop the episode. Go back. If you listen have not. to part one and then come back here. And we'll, yeah. we'll continue our story with Axelrod. Go. Choo-choo. Welcome. Choo-choo. I mean, if you already listened, stay. And let's proceed. While discussing remote viewing... Sorry, while discussing his remote viewing uh-huh. of Jupiter, Axelrod perked up and Ingo decided to ask Axelrod a question. Yeah. Axel, I don't like to do tasks unless there's a good chance of obtaining feedback. And you represent one of those times I've been dragged into a situation where obviously I'm not going to get any of it, am I? Mm. Axelrod responded. Well, that poses a bit of a problem considering our situation here. Uh, But surprisingly, some feedback will become available in other ways. Mm. I'll send it to you in an unmarked envelope. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, Axelrod then asks Ingo, have you ever heard of a man named George Leonard? Ingo said, no, he hasn't, but he's... Worked with many people, so he's not good with names, but he might know the faces. Axelrod then pulled out five photos, asked him if any of these photos look familiar. He said, I worked with these two. The other three I haven't. I'm assuming one of them is George Leonard. I have not seen him, blah, 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 yada, yada. Uh So then they proceeded. So he's not seen George Leonard. I wanted to mention that now for a later part with the uh, feedback. Roger that. So Ingo asked, what is... His task. <laughs> what is uh, my task? Engo asked what his task was. And uh, X responded with, uh, what do you know about the moon? Mm-hmm. He then asked if Ingo had ever been to the moon psychically, which Ingo said, no, because too much is known about it. It wouldn't constitute as a good experiment because of that. Most people would assume that he just used a telescope or something or used known facts to... Mm-hmm. Say what he saw. Yeah. As we discussed in part one, he doesn't like to do that because, you know, you can discredit it that easily. Yes. Axelrod then asked about the reverse side of the moon. The side is always turned away from the moon or from the earth, and no one could accuse him of visually seeing that. Axel said he wanted him to remote view the yeah, remote view the moon for them, and he had about ten coordinates for him to see. And sure. would that be too many? Okay. After the discussion, Ingo said, yeah, I'll, I'll be doing it. It's not too many. I'll be doing it. I'll be doing it. <laughs> After the discussion, a workout, and a meal, Ingo went to bed. And at one, not one, I don't know why I said one. And in the morning, the work would commence. Mm-hmm. Side note, the twins joined him during a workout in this moment. 
And as he examined them more closely, he noticed that the two actually didn't look alike. They only seemed to, for some reason, be twins. They looked very similar, but they were clearly not twins. As one looked older, bigger, their green eyes and square, jawed were, square jaws were similar, but one had a narrow nose and thinner lips. They were clearly not twins, not even brothers, not related. Hmm. But what was it that made them seem so alike that they would be mistaken for twins? Mm-hmm. Ingo said it was something about their energies. Psychic okay. is all about the energies. Yeah, yeah. As he continued to watch, he noticed that they almost moved in unison. One would lift a hand, and the other would do the same. So, did the other almost as if they were one mind? Sorry. Sorry? One would lift a hand, and so would the other, as if they were of one mind. Sure. So, take that as you will. That was a, a description of the twins that were apparently not twins, but we're still going to call them Left twins. brain, right brain. It could be. Could it be a cyborg? Could it be aliens? Could it be a hive mind? Esque type of thing that the government was working on that you have someone like linked up, if you will. Yeah, I have no clue. I'm making shit like, up now. Like with uh, uh, Pacific Rim with the Jaegers and the yeah, exactly. pilots. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, a thousand dollars a day was a big deal, and would help Ingo as most uh, of this type of stuff that they would do. Mm-hmm. The other person would try to be cheap. And either pay him as little as possible mm-hmm. or not paying him at all and get out of it. He's like, yeah, I'll take a look at these coordinates on the moon. It's going to take me about two years, though. Yeah. <laughs> it might take me a month. Is that cool with you? $30,000. Is that good? That's good. Good. All right. Got yourself a goddamn deal. <laughs> he was worried about screwing up as he wasn't entirely sure what Axelrod was looking for. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were looking for a good place to build a moon base. Mm-hmm. Maybe they lost a space craft on some secret mission or something else but nervous or not there in the underground somewhere Mm -hmm. he decided he was going to remove remote view the moon Mm -hmm. and just get it over with yeah he didn't expect to see much on the moon the dead satellite just airless dust craters and so on he was not prepared for what he had saw or what he would see what he had saw. <laughs> what he had saw. <laughs> Early the next morning, they began to work. Yeah. Ingo labeled this moon probe. Kind of, mm. I'm guessing go with his kind of like uh, Jupiter, probe. Jupiter probe. So yeah. that was his little nickname for this experiment. He probably was Dope. like, ha it's a little callback. You see, I've been watching you for a while, boy. <laughs> uh-huh. He asked Axel, obviously. Ingo asked Axel. Yes. Where the moon was in its cycle. In relation to Earth. Yeah. He said the moon was full. Axel said the moon was full, and it is setting in the west. So before starting, Ingo went over some experiment protocols. Mm -hmm. Except for saying the lunar coordinates, when he asked for them, Axelrod was to remain silent. Yes. It's like payback for making him remain silent. (laughs) It's my first thought. Don't fuck with my flow. (laughs) I need you to be silent. Don't speak. All right. I need to concentrate. Uh, Ingo he, talks he up. He hands him a card. Okay. He X-Rod looks at it and says, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> I like it. Ingo talks out loud when he does his, his thing, asking him questions, asking himself questions to help aid his intellect in trying to understand what he was experiencing, mm-hmm. not questions others need to respond 
to while he was at work. Okay. It makes sense. It does. Just talking to yourself, trying to figure shit out. Yeah. Ingo began. He physically moved off of Earth. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't mean physically. That's why I had to really... He just took off. He's like, bah! I was wondering. This is incredible. (laughs) He turned into Superman. Ingo began. He psychically moved his astral projection, if you will, off Mm -hmm. of Earth and towards the sun. He then moved away from the sun and towards the moon until he had touchdown. He had no issues with getting there as as the moon slowly grew larger and larger. And as he made touchdown, he told Axelrod he was there. He was able to see some rocks and dust mm-hmm. and to give him his first moon coordinate, preceding it with the word moon. So moon and then coordinate. Yep. As Axelrod gave the first coordinate, Indigo, I knew I was going to do that. Ingo mm-hmm. got blurred vision and, well, actually the first time he gave the coordinate, nothing happened. So he asked him to give it again and slower. Mm-hmm. And that moment, he got blurred vision and a sense of zooming across the moon and... Then into darkness. Mm-hmm. Ingo said, it's dark here. Why is that? A rhetorical question, Axel. Please do not speak and answer. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. I love this guy. Anyways, he then realized why it was so dark. He was on the dark side of the moon. We'll give it away. <laughs> it was dark. <laughs> he was standing near a cliff of some kind that seemed to go quite high and made it some kind of dark rock made of not made it made of some kind of dark rock. Mm-hmm. There was a fluffy king of sand kind. Yeah, I just realized that. Mm-hmm. There was a fluffy kind of sand and away from the cliff formation there was a, a a broad expanse of some kind and there were some patterns in the sand. Okay. Axelrod blurted out, "What do the patterns look like?" He wasn't supposed to speak, but he had so <laughs> Indigo went with it. In Ingo Ingo. I said Indigo again. I'm talking to you. Fucker. (laughs) Ingo responded, sort of tufts or dunes, like the wind made a kind of pattern, but there is not supposed to be any kind of wind on the moon. Mm -hmm. Is there? Uh, No atmosphere yet. I can sense something like atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I guess I channeled my best uh, Giorgio there. (laughs) He didn't understand how how that could be. So it must be something he doesn't understand, is what he said. That, that kind of that was the yeah, obvious. I don't understand yeah, yeah. this. So it must be something I can't understand. After this, he took a moment, and they went into their next coordinate. Okay. A moment later, a few moments later, a couple minutes later, uh, seconds later, <laughs> he was in another place on the moon. Yeah. Uh, he could hardly believe it was still the moon, though. He said, "I'm sorry, Axel." I seem to have gotten back to Earth here. Axel asked why he said that, to which Indigo, God damn it, to which Ingo responded, maybe we should take a break, a little coffee, and try to, or, uh, and, tr- and we could try again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. 15 minutes later, they were back. He did the same process to get back to the moon, and then he told Axelrod to give him the coordinate again, which he did, and he went to the spot. Mm-hmm. He became aware of a greenish haze, okay. which he, yeah, which is what he saw before. Yeah, which is what he saw before the before taking a break. Sorry. Sure. This time he went on though. He found the courage and actually analyzed what the fuck he saw. He was in a place that was sort of down in a crater of sorts. There was a strange green haze, like a light of some sort, but all around, 
it was dark. He, when he jolted back for some reason, Axel pushed him for more, and Ingo said, well, you wouldn't like this, I guess. I see, or at least I think I see, well, some actual lights. They're giving off a green light. I see two rows of them. Yes, sort of lights at football arena. Sort of like lights at a football arena. High up, banks of them, up there. Oh, up on a tower of some kind. Sorry, hmm. I was trying to read it like a, he read it in the book. Mm-hmm. He, apologi- he apologized again to Axelrod, saying he couldn't be on the moon, that he must be somewhere on Earth again. Mm-hmm. Axelrod said, you sure you see lights, actual lights? He said, yes, but how could this be? This is the moon. Axel muttered, shit, and broke the pencil he was holding in his hand. Ingo stared blankly at Axelrod and said, you mean, am I to think these lights are actually on the moon? Did a Russian? Did the Russians build a moon base or something? Is that what I'm supposed to be remotely viewing? Mm-hmm. No answer. Ingo began again, and this time he started really looking. Yeah, the lights seemed diffuse somehow, as if there was a a lot of fog. No, it's dust floating in the air. But there's no air on the moon, is there? Hmm. There was a thumping noise of some kind, and he noticed that the light towers were made of what looked like some kind of prefab metal. Okay. Axelrod asked how high these towers were. Inga responded that, based off the tracks he saw on the ground and all that, it was roughly over 100 feet. Okay. Big-ass towers. Yeah, yeah, He then got a glimpse of the crater's edge where he saw a really big tower. He guessed it was... He guessed it to be as tall as uh, the Secretariat building at the United Nations, which is why I mentioned that last episode. Gotcha. I didn't realize there. he worked there. Yes, he did. Which had 39 floors in it. Axelrod said, you can see that then? Which Indigo looked took more as a question to himself mm-hmm. and not to him. Mm-hmm. That's uh, be interesting. You can see that then? Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with that. I don't know either. (laughs) Ingo said, this is, uh, this stuff was big. Does NASA or the Soviet Union have the capabilities to get these things this large onto the moon? I thought everyone was just having trouble getting a couple guys and a dog into orbit. (laughs) I thought the only thing we had on the moon was a flag planted in a crater somewhere, which also, as we discussed on the moon episode, it, it Shortly left the moon after taking off from the moon because it got blown away. So not even on the moon planted anywhere. It then dawned on him and he said, am I to assume this stuff isn't ours or made by Earth? Axelrod said, quite a surprise, isn't it? I take it you would like to take a break before we continue. Good heavens, he muttered. Sorry, I got to remember. I have the color coordinations. You guys don't. Yeah. Good heavens, Ingo said, muttered. He then yelled at Axelrod for a little bit, then broke into tears. Yeah. <laughs> Axelrod asked if he should leave him to recover. Ingo said, if I can be by myself, yes. But if those goddamn muscle men twins have to stand and watch me blubber, don't you dare. No way do I want them to see me in this condition. <laughs> <laughs> he was really turned on by those muscle men when they were working out. He was like, oh, my God, I don't want them to see me crying. <laughs> he then started yelling at Axelrod again. 
and finished by asking, why don't they just send another mission there and have a look for themselves? Mm -hmm. Good question. Then he realized they told that whatever was on the moon told him to stay away from the moon. Not him, told them, sorry. Told them to stay away from the moon. And they showed them that they meant it. They discussed some more about uh, all the shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, remote viewing. Sorry. Holy fuck. I just blanked yeah, out there. It's okay. They discussed more about remote viewing, and then Ingo took a 20-minute nap, which lasted six hours. Mm. Uh, he's kind of an emotional motherfucker, but I yeah. get it. His uh, worldview just got shattered. I mean, I think I would be probably pretty emotional if I legitimately just found out that we are not alone and that there's aliens obtain, uh, obtaining, sorry, um, occupying the moon. Mm-hmm. That would kind of fucking fuck with me too. Mm-hmm. Can't speak for you, but I would. <laughs> As they continued their work, Axel Rock continued to give coordinates to locations on the moon. Yeah. Some had nothing to see, while others had what Ingo perceived as towers, machinery, lights of different colors, strange buildings, bridges, Domes of various sizes, round things, things like small saucers with windows that were stored next to a crater or in caves, roads, and so on. Huh. So like a full-blown civilization type deal. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty wild. He sketched them, all of them. Yeah. Like everything he saw. And Axrod would quickly grab the sketches and they were never seen again. Um, Of course. Perfect. Later, when when this was, this first incident, incident, incident was done, he would off of memory tried to sketch stuff again and um i'll get into that a little bit later but he tried to off memory do that too so uh are there pictures of that i don't know you can check jamie he never saw who lived there no he never saw who lived on the moon except in one case in that case he saw some sort of people busy at work doing something he couldn't figure out what though the air was filled with a fine dust and there was some sort of green fog, as most of these were. They looked like humans, a very close... I'm oh, sorry. They looked like humans, or very close to humans, but they were all males, and he noticed as they were all butt-ass naked. Yeah. Butt-ass naked on the moon. All naked. You got yeah. tough skin for that. I'm assuming these domes were, like, atmospheric type of things though yeah no it's funny because as you said that i just found a sketch of it yeah the naked men no the dome ah got it okay they uh they seem to be digging into the hillside or cliffs yes as he was examining them and relaying this info to axelrod he noticed the beings started talking and gyrating to one another and two of them (laughs) yeah they were dancing it was a mating call it's like a peacock (laughs) Uh, two of them pointed in his direction, and he immediately wanted to run and hide. Yeah. He lost sight of this image shortly after. Jesus. So he's astral, astral projecting himself onto the moon, if you will. Yes. And then they somehow saw him. They could see him. And they yes. pointed at him in his direction. So they must have some kind of uh, psychic abilities as well, then. Possibly. Or Ingo is just so incredibly good at it that he... Projects a full form image of himself. <laughs> yeah, he's like he used the force in that one. So in a, some some Korean base somewhere, all of a sudden, just Ingo Swan appears. He's like, "Okay, I'm writing this down," <laughs> and then it just poof, gone. <laughs> the fuck just happened? Did you see that random white guy? 
Oh, well. Let's just keep going. In Korean <laughs> subtitles, of course. Of course. Well, it would be in English subtitles. In Korean words. Ingo said, I think they've spotted me, Axel. They yeah. were pointing at me, I think. How could they do that unless they have some sort of psychic perception, too? Axel responded in a calm and extremely quiet voice. Please come quickly away from that place. Wide-eyed. <laughs> Get the fuck out of there! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yell. It was just a very calm and extremely quiet. Please come quickly away from that place. Cut to the moon and Axel. Or not. Ingo's running and just... Just missiles being shot at him. He's running. Axel, you forgot my projection. Or your projection, sorry. Ingo, now wide-eyed, immediately understood. Mm. They already knew they were psychics. Yeah. Uh, this is when Axel said, I think we need to end our work here. Damn it, Ingo! Ingo pushed Axel for more and at one point asked him, would they kill an Earth psychic if they knew they were strong enough to spy on them? Mm-hmm. Good question. It is you just question. fucking probed them. Yes. Axel responded. Axel Rod's response mm-hmm. was less than reassuring. Uh, there's no conclusive evidence to suggest that. No conclusive evidence? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question as well. I mean, I'll tell you what it means. It means you're probably <laughs> fucked. <laughs> that means maybe? We've never gotten this far. <laughs> It means you're the only one strong enough to get to the moon. Um, so maybe <laughs> whether they spotted Ingo or not, they didn't want to put him in any more risk, which is dice of them as right now until they put him in more. Right. Axel wanted to feed him dinner and get him back to New York. But before he gave in to leaving, he described that this wasn't necessarily that they saw him, but they were feeling him rather than seeing him. Does that make sense? Yes. We're talking about the aliens. They felt something, not particularly him, but something, and they knew what the ripple meant. Mm-hmm. Like some sort of penetration of where they were. Axel asked him to write down his ideas on this and how psi is more than just three-dimensional. He was, he was trying to explain how it's four-dimensional. It's not just three. That's why sure. they felt a disturbance in the force, if you will. They felt yeah. something there in that direction, but they couldn't tell who or what is basically what he's trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He then wrote 12 pages on it. And uh, for more descriptions and info on all this, please, again, check out the book Penetration by Ingo yeah. Swan, and you'll have more details on sure. it all, but I don't need a 17-hour episode. No, but let me think about it, too. I'm assuming he probably was thinking about it, as I am, that... You know, you have a connection point between A and B, and A is Earth, and yes. and that underground base, and B is that far side of the moon. Yes, you know, you've got that connection, and that's bending space and time, maybe. You know, and and that ripple is felt by these psi, yes. psychical beings as well. Yeah, I took it the same way. Uh, they then repeated the process they used to get him there to extract him. Before departing, though, Axelrod asked if they needed him again, would he be interested? Ingo's mm-hmm. response, E.T.'s on the moon? Who could resist? <laughs> He's giddy with it. I know, he was, actually. Good. If anyone asks about what we are doing... Sorry. Axelrod said, "Yeah, Good. If anyone asks what we are doing here, 
it won't be from us. Act accordingly. And he did when he... I put it in the quote. That was stupid. All right. Okay. Act accordingly. Ingo did what he was asked to when he reported later. Ah, when a re- oh my god, this line. <laughs> Ingo did heed this advice when a reporter later called asking about Axelrod, and he said, "Ingo said, I don't know him," and then he pushed more and said, "You know Axelrod in the under." Ground base, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know no Axelrod. Mm-hmm. And the person then quickly hung up. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it wasn't a reporter. Uh, yeah. It was a journey just to get to that line. But wow, I don't know what I wrote we there. took it all. I, I put it into the uh, quote, and then I had to fix it. Mm. Anyways, during one point in summer of 1976, Ingo received a plain envelope that had no return address. Mm-hmm. Could this be the uh, feedback that Axelrod was saying? Well, sounds like it. It contained the book called Somebody Else is on the Moon by George Leonard. Mm. Leonard obtained NASA photos of supposed structures on the moon to prove his theory of a highly advanced underground civilization living on the moon. This was released after Ingo and Axelrod's first encounter it seems Axrod had provided him with some sort of feedback. Yeah. That's incredible. It is. So, it's yeah. pretty much the, the confirmation that... Yeah. Exactly. And we were talking about on, on the uh, Moon Structure episode, episode uh, whatever, uh, yeah. seven, I think it was. Yeah. Was, uh, you covered that one where uh, there's a bunch of pictures that are from NASA that mm-hmm. are on the moon. I wrote a couple of them down. If you would like to look at them, I can read them. Otherwise, we'll move on. Okay. Uh, photos, NASA photo, 71H781. That's why, that's why I was asking if you want to look them up. Sure. I didn't <laughs> know if you had, like, the name of it. Yeah, like, I do. No, I have like, uh, three of them. Like how they call it, like, oh, the, cla- the the castle or, oh, NASA. No, I don't have that. Okay, give me those numbers. And NASA I'll... photo. Yep. 71H781. That's the first one. Okay. Second one, when you're ready. New tab or whatever you had. Yep, go ahead. NASA photo 66-8, no, I'm sorry, 66-H-1293. I'm getting multiple different ones. <laughs> oh, that's that's helpful. Yeah. There's okay. one more when you're ready. All right. Uh, two seconds. Okay. Lunar Orbiter 3-84M. 3-84M. Okay. Lunar Orbiter, yeah. Uh, I don't know why they they big point to put like NASA NASA or orbiter. All right, now you got those up. Mm-hmm. All right, so he, so in this book, uh, there were multiple photos of supposed structures and evidence that there was airbrushed out um, some structures and stuff. Yeah, evidence of structures has been airbrushed out as NASA has been caught doing this multiple times. Right, and confirmed caught doing this multiple times, just like when they sent uh, initial. I think photos of Mars back, they changed the color to a more reddish color mm-hmm. to give it an illusion of, I don't remember what the, the point was, but they, they changed it to a, a more orangish color to make it look more inhospitable when in yeah. reality it looked more like the Arizona desert type of thing. Yeah, exactly. To, when you didn't have the filter. And so stuff like that and the airbrush shit out, the face on the moon, that the, uh, not moon, sorry, the face on Mars that they say is 
is not a face. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of ana- analysis of that and the subsequent non-existent photo or subsequent photos that exist that prove that it isn't a face, but they never showed anything until recently, which then there's been evidence that that was airbrushed and that it still shows a face on the moon yep. next to a pyramid. I keep saying moon. Mars. Mars. Anyways, it's been proven that the airbrush shit constantly mm-hmm. and lie. Yep. Is it in our best interest? I'm sure they think it is. Yeah. I'm sure it might be. I have no clue. I'm not that smart, but let's just move on now. What are you thinking of the uh, photos? I forgot uh, you pulled them up. If I'm looking at the right ones, it's, uh, it's definitely photos of the moon. Beautiful. I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't either. I don't know why he listed those out, but. Great. Fantastic. Well, I think one spot. of them was a tower. One of them was a bridge. Yeah, didn't see it. Uh, bridge one sounds familiar. I feel like in that one, this one here, I feel like I saw a bridge. Looks like a big-ass bridge, uh, maybe. Well, don't know. I don't know. I'm not good at analyzing that stuff, but shortly after this, though, mm-hmm. Ingo went to L.A. to visit his friend Conrad. While shopping for dinner, he and Conrad were going to make for two of their mutual friends, Ingo went into the veggie section to buy some, well, vegetables. Sure. At one, one of, at one of the artichoke tables, he saw a beautiful woman. She was dressed in a small outfit that really accentuated her physical endowments. Ah, uh, she was... Ow. <laughs> she was number 13. She was gorgeous. Number four, number four, number four, number four. <laughs> if you're listening, you get it. He worked his way covertly and nonchalantly closer to her as he was fumbling with some artichokes in a bag. As he was fumbling some artichokes into a bag, he then, for no reason at all, experienced an electrifying wave of goosebumps throughout his whole body, and his hair stood on end. Suddenly, came in his pants. It was hard. <laughs> Extremely hard. Suddenly, and for no reason, he knew right then and there she was an ET. Oh, shit. Yeah. He got nervous and decided he to uh, he, he was going to back off. And started examining the grapefruit and oranges over in the fruit section. When he turned around to do so, though, uh, he saw that one of the twins, down further, watching this woman, uh, there immediately aroused an image in his mind of a white card that said, please do not speak and please act normal. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're psychic, too, I guess. I don't Apparently, know. That's kind of dope. <laughs> uh, the other twin was there, too, on the other side of the veggie table, also watching the woman. Yeah. At, the, at this point, he realized he was somewhere he shouldn't be and made a hasty exit. Yep. The, twins perce- yeah, the twins' presence mixed with a psychic alert confirmed to him that the woman was indeed an extraterrestrial. He and his friend finished shopping and checked out. While in the car before leaving, Ingo asked his friend, Conrad, to wait. And when the woman exited the store to go load up her car, he asked his friend what he thought of her. Conrad's response was, well, if you mean, do I think she's an extraterrestrial? Yes. We have a lot of them here in La La Land. All hmm. right. All right. He then urged Conrad to make a quick and hasty exit. Fast forward a little bit, and shortly after returning home to New York, Ingo received a call he was expecting to get from Axelrod. Yeah. I mean, you see the twins, you know Axelrod's not far behind. Sure. A female, uh, a friendly female voice came over the phone again and asked, Mr. Swan, a friend of yours would like to talk to you. They said uh, he would, 
he wanted to talk to him in another telephone, 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 mm-hmm. and asked if he could conveniently, ah, and asked if it was convenient for him to go to Grand Central Terminal at 7.30 that night. Mm-hmm. Ingo said, I suppose so. She told him to go there and wait until he saw someone he recognized, and then she hung up. Mm-hmm. He waited for about 10 to 15 minutes until he finally saw... I'm sorry. He went to Grand Central Station around yes. 7.30. He waited there for about 10 to 15 minutes until he finally saw someone he recognized standing about 10 feet away. It was, of course, one of the twins. Mm-hmm. Dressed like he was a homeless man. <laughs> Makes sense. There's a lot of them there. Yeah. Seeing that Indigo finally recognized Indigo. Seeing, as, seeing that Ingo finally recognized him, he put his finger to his lips and surveyed the area for a time. He finally gave a slight nod of the head and head, headed towards the arcade. Ingo followed him through a subway entrance and was down. That was down, not end. That was mm-hmm. down a corridor. The twin went into one of the old phone booths for a time, closed the door, and dialed the number. Then put the phone down on a small counter and mm-hmm. moved away. Hingo, mm-hmm. uh, as my <laughs> autocorrect has... <laughs> Ingo went over, assuming that it was meant for him to go over and pick up the phone, and he picked up the phone. The same female voice was there um, <clears throat> on the other end, and after asking him some questions to confirm that it was him, mm-hmm. she put Axelrod on the phone. Axelrod told him, told him, <laughs> Axelrod told him not to say anything except answering the questions that he asked. He asked why he was in the grocery store at La La Land. Have you ever seen that woman or seen her since? Why were you there looking at the woman? And this one, I'm gonna. I wrote the response to. Yeah. He said, "For Christ's sake, she was extremely sexy and nearly falling out of her clothes. I <laughs> saw her from the rear and wanted to get a to see what the front looked like up close." <laughs> it's a good good example. Amen, brother. <laughs> Give me some fish. Uh, well, that's not weird. <laughs> and he asked what Ingo thought of her. Into, not into. To which he responded that he was, got the impression that she was. Wasn't exactly like us and was an extraterrestrial. Then Axelrod did the 21 questions him about the woman. And once satisfied with his answers, he said, she was very dangerous. And if we ever saw her again, make an effort to create distance between her and do it naturally. Mm -hmm. That was the end of the woman. So uh, he then asked how the remote viewing SRI was coming along. Ingo said good and that. He was almost at 65% accuracy, which is mm-hmm. incredible in my opinion. Mm-hmm. To which Axelrod responded with, we have a special task. Can you let us know when you hit the 65% mark? You have it. You have an office with a desk, right? When you reach 65, take an ordinary piece of paper, 8 by 10, write 65 down on it and put it beneath the blotter. He said yes. Ingo said yes, and he understood what was being asked of him. Mm-hmm. Now we get to the final encounter with Ingo. Mm-hmm. A year later, Ingo receipt not receipt. Ingo reached the sixty-five milestone and left that note under the ink blotter in his office. Yeah. The door to his office was locked, and only he knew the code to the door. Mm-hmm. But one morning, after three months of checking, the note was suddenly gone, and in its place was some dust with the words "expect contact." Oof. And and in July of 1977, a few days after that message in the dust, contact, well, it did done come. While in the, while the dining room of SRI, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I just imagine because the twins keep popping up, and yeah. it seems like they're like they're the guys that to go like um, the henchmen guys. So I just imagine like. He's going through the SRI campus, like, lunchroom, and he looks up, and one of the twins is just sitting there in, like, a wig and, like, a, a lunch lady <laughs> Hello, uniform. Caddies. Just is scooping out the corn, looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> and his beautiful green eyes. Yes. Beautiful green eyes. Sorry. Don't be. So, funny you said the dining hall. Uh, when walking in, oh, no, that's because I said the dining hall. You fucking idiot. It's like cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah. When walking into the dining hall, he noticed Mr. Axelrod standing inconspicuously over the other end of it. Yeah. I got to just highlight this so I know where the fuck I am. When he noticed Ingo saw him, he walked quickly into the men's room. <laughs> Gets better. No. Oh. So Ingo excused himself from his colleagues and he joined Axelrod in the men's room. Oh, boy. Excuse me, guys. I'm going to take a shit real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time out. Once entered, Axelrod immediately locked the door and whispered in Ingo's ear, Can you get away right now for the weekend? I want to take you somewhere and show you something. Just nod yes or no. Was it, was it that sexual, though? <laughs> it probably wasn't, but I gave it that sexual. Jesus. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. I mean... You're whisper. You're locking the door and whispering in his ear in the fucking bathroom. Why couldn't you have done any of this over the phone, there, guys? Right, Jesus. Or in a janitor's closet. <laughs> well, Ingo nodded yes. They left immediately, telling Ingo to come up with. They, I'm sorry. Axelrod left immediately after, telling Ingo to come up with a convincing excuse to his colleagues, and that he might be gone for as much as five, four days. Mm-hmm. Ingo used the excuse. Of just remembering he was supposed to join some friends in San Francisco for a long weekend. And then he just left. <laughs> All right. So, what the fuck? Where'd that come from? Did you just come from the bathroom? What happened here? And who was that man that left with you? <laughs> While driving away, Axelrod asked Ingo if he had ever seen an UFO, which Ingo said, yes, he thinks so. And Axelrod asked him to describe it as they did. So Axelrod, yeah, yeah. again, read the book Penetration for um, the whole Description of his sighting and everything. But I don't want to waste time on that, so let's move. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to transition off that. I just wanted to play the book for the 15th time. Beautiful. Axelrod then told him that they may have an opportunity to see one up close and asked him if he was game. Ingo said, of course I'm fucking game. And they headed off on their long journey. They went from a car to a private plane where they met up with the twins. Mm-hmm. And then they took a five-hour flight somewhere. And then another car where he had to strip down and put a fully insulated jumpsuit on and take off. Make sure there's no metal. Yep. No metals were allowed yep. on his person, as I said. They then drove another two hours. And finally, they had to hike up to a location that was about 45 minutes in complete and total silence. Could not speak. Hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. After this 45-minute hike, they arrived at their destination. Once there, they sat on a thick cushion of pine needles behind some large rocks. Mm-hmm. Axelrod whispered. He's a whisperer, this one. <laughs> We're here. In front of us, there's a small lake. When dawn comes, you'll be able to see it through the pines. We now wait and hope we are lucky. Say nothing and do not make any noise. 
Ingo whispered back, What am I supposed to do? Axelrod responded, Just observe. We'll debrief later. But it's really important now to just observe in complete silence. From this point on, and don't move unless I tell you to, they detect heat, noise, and motion like mad. Hmm. Sounds good to me. I will just shut the fuck up then <laughs> and we'll just sit here. I guess I'll just shut the fuck up. <laughs> they sat for a while waiting, and uh, suddenly the twin, one of the twins made some hand gesture to Axelrod, and Axelrod stated that it had begun, and do not move. Mm-hmm. Ingo looked around, trying to see what the fuck had begun, but didn't see anything unusual at all, except for some gray fog forming in a distant in yeah, in the direction of the lake. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> lake is Crete. It's a lot of times there's um, fog associated with UFOs. Now, maybe yeah. that's their cloaking device. But anyways, maybe. the fog continued to form for another five minutes, and suddenly Ingo saw what had begun to happen. Mm-hmm. In mere moments, the gray fog began to change, first to a neon blue, then into purple. At that moment, at this moment, Axelrod and one of the twins put a firm hand on each one of his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, purple, yellow, red lightning bolts shot out in every direction through the cloud. Mm-hmm. It startled him, and if it wasn't for them putting a hand on his shoulders, he would have probably jumped up, and yeah. then he would have moved, and then... yeah. Fuck the whole thing up. Yeah, motherfucker. Then there it was, rising over the now visible lake, and it continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger. He expected to see a flying saucer, but as he puts it in the book, no chance of a saucer here, baby. That's actually what he said in the book. Oh, yeah? It was a triangle. It was triangular. And... Overall, it appeared to be like a diamond shape. Mm-hmm. The hands on his shoulders suddenly tightened as if to signal, don't move. Yeah. Then red laser beams, red laser-like beams, started shooting out of the thing as it continued to grow. But remember, bleh, but remain stationary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also said like a pulse, like some kind of electronic pulse came out of it. Okay. Too. So I'm assuming it was scanning for... Whatever the hell I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, just then, one of the twins shouted, or shouted, whisper shouted, mm. shit, they're enveloping the area. They're going to spot us. The UFO's red laser continued blasting some of the pine trees. It was completely silent. Every, even the bolts didn't crackle. Mm-hmm. The only noise came from when it hit one of the trees. Mm-hmm. Axelrod explained that they blasting they were blasting deer, porcupine, or some animals they saw in the forest or sensed in the forest. Mm-hmm. The beams sense biological body heat, and they were sure to hone in on them. Mm-hmm. At that moment, the two hands tightened again, and he was practically thrown backwards. There was a loud pop where they were just s- sitting. Yeah, and multiple large branches fell onto them. In a few, in the final few seconds, he was able to see. The triangular craft, he noticed water from the lake circulating up, kind of like a upside-down waterfall mm-hmm. being sucked into the craft. Okay. That was the last he saw of the craft. They ran away until they reached an overhang where they sat and they examined all their wounds. Mm-hmm. He had a cut on his leg from something and was bleeding, but hadn't even noticed it. The adrenaline was probably pumping oh, wildly, yeah. right? 
They sat there in complete silence for some time until one of the twins said, all clear now. All clear. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. thanks. The twins then stood up and calmly took a piss while surveying the area. <laughs> Ingo threw up all the contents in his stomach. Jesus. <laughs> I love how nonchalant, like, all right, time to piss. <laughs> As they walked towards back towards the van, In- Axelrod asked what Ingo sensed from the UFO. Ingo, mm-hmm. irate now, stated he sensed it was a sort of drone of some kind, unmanned and controlled by from somewhere else. Axelrod then asked, what it was doing here. Ingo said, obviously someone somewhere needed water. So he supposed they just came down to Earth to get it. Let's just stop over by Earth and pick up what we need. We're like a fucking shopping center, I guess. I guess so. While they drove back, they had some small talk about the blasting of the animals and stories of humans being incinerated when they see UFOs. Mm-hmm. More one-sided than a conversation. Yeah. They arrived at the airport where Ingo noticed that there was an Alaskan airline. So he assumed they were in Alaska. Yep. On the flight home, they discussed the craft and how it appeared. They also talked about remote viewing and how someone who hasn't experienced something would misinterpret what they were viewing and describe it as something else that they had experienced seeing. Yep. People fill in the unknown with their known. The book has some good examples and explains it way better than this, but this episode is on Ingo Swan and Axel Rod, so again, we urge you to read the book. Mm-hmm. Axel Rod said he was sorry for putting him at risk, and Ingo said, Jesus, Axel, I'm ready to go for it again. Who wouldn't be? Axel Rod explained, it wouldn't be possible as their mission will be disbanded shortly and work picked up by another by others, basically, because of strategic security reasons involved. Mm-hmm. Other groups that won't be using psychics. Axelrod st- stated that in a couple of weeks, Ingo would be summoned to for a complete physical by ordinary doctors that had no knowledge of the situation. Uh, they dropped him off at the San Jose airport, and that was the last Ingo Swan saw of Mr. Axelrod. Ingo Swan died in 2013. And he believed until his death that there were aliens on the moon and that they weren't friendly. Over the last two episodes, we have discussed who Ingo Swan was and his incredible encounter with the man known as Axelrod. Let's now discuss our thoughts about what we have discussed in Final Thoughts. There's a lot of discusses. I'm sorry. Lots of discusses. presented the facts it's time now to examine the evidence and give our theories so pull up a chair for our final thoughts <laughs> science well well thank you well lennon yes an incredible story incredible tale Fucking he's an incredible, incredible man yes i would like to hear your initial thoughts so in my dojo you go first uh this is some incredible shit. It's an incredible story, incredible tale. Um, Even in him, too. Like, the whole oh, thing. Yes, yeah. everything. Uh, everything. Um, what do, it's tough to sum this up. I mean, it's not like, uh, it, did it happen, did it not happen kind of deal, like our usual final thoughts. Um, I believe that he could possess some kind of extraordinary gifts. And from all of the accounts that he's said and all of the facts that back up a lot of what he's claimed and everybody else has claimed about him yes sir um there's no real evidence to me of him being 
a liar. Right. You know, not making any of this shit up for any type of reason. And everything seems very reasonable and plausible. Right. Um, Especially the fact that there is proof that he did have a success rate on these tests. And that he he did work for the CIA. And and he did work for the CIA. Um, And just a whole lot of it. um, His success rate with the Jupiter stuff. Yes, sir. Um, eleven out of, I'm sorry, twelve out of thirteen. Incredible. And we're going to call that twelve and a half because we're going to give it half credit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I. I think this is very credible, and if it's real, it's a huge step for the human mind. Yes. That he pioneered a lot of. Well, they say we don't use our whole like, no, we ca- use capability. Twenty like percent or something yeah. like that. So it wouldn't surprise me if we could exactly. do exactly. Well, I. Th- I agree. I think he. He has that capability to do that because of the success rate that he demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, sorry to find my ad. Yeah, no. um, and do. the moon stuff. Yes, sir. Um, there's a, a lot of, uh, not coincidences, um, things that uh, go along with his narrative mm-hmm. and other narratives from other types of stories. It all sir. kind of flows in the same track. Um, stuff that we covered on our moon episode and in future episodes, and future episode stuff that we know about that yes. we'll, we'll talk about in the future. Just keep in, keep in mind like how all this stuff plays in together. Um, there's a, lot a of thing next, exactly. And everything we talk about when I think about all these different types of theories that we know of, and when I learn about new ones or read new mm-hmm. ones, mm-hmm. I always tend to reflect on how it fits into other stuff I've heard mm-hmm. because. Theories shouldn't be taken as, or these things shouldn't be taken as a one single event. Yes, sir. Um, for each story, should look at them all as a bigger picture because there's all many, many, many of us. Yeah. To experience this kind of stuff, so there's many different angles of looking at something. You know, um, a tower may look like a tower to one person because they're looking at straight on, but if somebody's sideways, it may look like a fucking bridge or something. I don't fucking know. You I, know what I'm trying to I say? Do, yeah. So just. I tend to look at how it all connects, and this one connects very well with a lot of other stories. Yes, sir. All right, let's let's, let's look at some of the stuff. All right, you touched on the Jupiter mission and all the fact that it was 12 out of 13, 12 and a half out of 13 were correct. Yes. Check. Got all it. All right, he's been to space. Yes. He's been out there. It seems like, and it seems like he was able to project this. Yes. Um, let's talk about the woman, though. Okay. That he saw, that he thought was the E.T., do you think it was actually a woman or uh, an extraterrestrial woman? Well, if this, if uh, we're going to go off this as if it's true, uh, if the twins and Axelrod were concerned about it and told them not to, told them all mm-hmm. that stuff, I mean, they haven't lied to him yet. Nope. From what it seems like. And they were actually genuinely seemed concerned for him. And, right. You know, I would say, yeah, probably. And this was after he was concerned about his, his safety after viewing them. So maybe. Right. So my question is have you ever heard of honeypotting? Okay, so honeypot is a way that a spy from a different country would go and try to get information by attracting the opposite sex. Okay, all right. I'm wondering if it's more of a uh, Russian spy, because that Soviet spy, sorry, because mm-hmm. um, it was at that time that was there, and it just maybe I I don't know how it connected with Ingo, but somehow that's what the twins were monitoring this potential Russian spy mm-hmm. and the feelings of this electricity and all that stuff where I've just, that's a fucking beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And maybe he just got nervous and then was like, it must be an ET. Mm-hmm. I um, got you. That was my thinking. Cause mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It just I'm seemed thinking, too coincidental for me. I'm thinking moon lady, moon lady. 
Because I'm thinking God that electricity damn. was come get me, Moon Lady was like psychic energies, yeah, sensing each other. Sounds like okay. like in uh, Into the Spider Verse when they yeah. do the they got the senses. Yes, they each uh, the spider sense, you know, go off at the same time. Something like that. I'm thinking hmm. apples, oranges. Either way, the lady was dangerous. Yes, case closed with her. Yeah, she was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. get you into trouble. <laughs> they usually do. How about the UFO they saw? Yeah, what about it? Uh, to me, it was a little weird that they knew exactly where and when this UFO was going to just pop up. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. You might say, well, maybe they had inside information. I have no clue. Maybe they're part of the moon people. I don't yeah. fucking know. doesn't matter. Well, then let's look at it a different way. Why did they feel the need to take Ingo That's what I was physically wondering. there? They, could, they knew the time. They knew the place. Why don't you just give them coordinates? And have them do it around that time. It was the morning, for fuck's sakes. Okay, there's that. But also, why did they feel the need to show him at all? I mean, That's he the was... the other thing. That was, yeah. He was remote viewing things. He yeah. wasn't, like... Wasn't an intelligent spy or something like that. Well, I mean, he was, he was spying. He it, was, yeah. It wasn't like... That was more of a show-and-tell thing. It was. Now, That I, was kind of like a... Maybe, maybe it was just like an Axelrod was like a good friend to him. And he's like, hey, you want to see some cool shit? That could be. My guy, this is the last time I'm going to see you. Yeah. Like, let me, let's go out with a bang. I'll show you some awesome shit. It's going to answer some of your questions that, that then we'll never speak again. Maybe it was something like that. Yeah. Now, granted, he did ask him what he thought of it, you know, and it was it maybe, man on man. So maybe, maybe they, tracked they it did have. Maybe they tracked it and they were <clears throat> looking for an answer that they didn't have and they thought and he might be able to. But that still gives me the question, why the hell did you need to go physically to the location and put him in danger if this was a true story that it's? Right. This all goes off if. I think that's right, a true right, story. Right. It's just, it's a little weird to me that you're doing all this remote viewing and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, come fucking check out a UFO. It's just a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all. Mm. Um, and finally, his views on the moon. Not, mm-hmm. not, not necessarily the views as in like what he thought. Scenic. What he saw on the moon. Yeah. What do you think of that? That's, that's my final, final thought. I think it's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, it we, it's in the dark. We, the dark side of the moon, we don't yes. know. Well, but, they, but they we, do, though. There's a lot of stuff they talk about behind the moon that astronauts know about that they're I mean, allowed to talk I mean, to. we as a... Oh, sorry. Our yes, yes, common... Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, but, again, that's part of the thing where I was saying, like, there's so many different stories and stuff that all corroborate and go alongside of it, too. It fits. Yeah. Like you were saying, the astronauts know stuff. Yes, sir. So my reasoning for thinking that he was telling the truth about the moon comes back to Jupiter. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's already traveled a vast distance to a different planet Mm -hmm. and accurately said details about this planet. Yeah. And then was proven right later. So therefore, if he was able to go to the moon, I feel he could do the same thing. Sure. So that leads me to believe that his story of the moon is true. Whether the... Lady is an alien or a Russian spy or just an ordinary alien, and the twins were really just viewing him for some reason. Mm-hmm. Whether the UFO thing was was on uh, in person mm-hmm. was just a show and tell. Uh, last time I'm going to see you, this is going to be fucking awesome. Here you go, buddy. Mm-hmm. Or a you know maybe like a feedback thing. Yeah, maybe like hey, you're right. Here you go. Yeah. Or whether it was another reason. Either way, I think the moon one is 100 percent true. Yeah, personally. So agreed. Did Ingo Swan remote 
view extraterrestrials on the moon. His story is a fantastical tale that most will view as an unbelievable farce. But he isn't known for remotely viewing things that he cannot confirm or that cannot be confirmed. So did he suddenly have a change of heart and make the whole story up just for to write a book? Most humans forget about the moon and look past it as it has been there their whole life. Mm -hmm. They easily accept the concept that it is a dead satellite with nothing going on, despite scientific evidence to prove otherwise. Mm -hmm. Whether you believe Ingo Swan's story or not, one thing is for sure. The moon may be more than what we think it is. But that's our theory, and we're sticking to them. Fucking A, right. Yeah. Maestro, you know what to do. Hit him with it hard. Ladies and gentlemen, squatches and uh, disguise-wearing henchmen. <laughs> and sexy ladies. And sexy alien ladies. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. If you'd like to reach out to us and let us know your thoughts or opinions or first meals, you can do mm-hmm. so by finding us on Instagram, Reddit, Facebook, and on our YouTube channel. Steak and sushi. Steak and sushi. Hit the subscribe <laughs> button for auto downloads. This is the first thing every Monday morning. Because you need that in your veins. You need it in your veins and your ear holes. Thank you all. F- thank you. I did it again. You're welcome. Thank you to all of our Patreon members to help keep this podcast a reality. We are grateful for your continued support. If you haven't yet become a member and would like to support us, head to our Patreon. And if you're feeling a little classy, classy, spicy, 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 (laughs) check out our merch selection on our website to visually show your sport to your friends and family. Yeah. Drop us a five-star rating and write us a review. Tell us what you love and how you are enjoying the show. Share us on your socials and tell your cryptid-loving friends and family about us. Do it now. Do it. Subscribe. Hit the bell and like the videos on YouTube. This all helps us to grow and bring you even more great content for you to enjoy. It does. And as I stated last episode, and I will clarify again today because I said it wrong, subscribe on YouTube. If you are a new subscriber, or for the month of June, because we're just starting this, if you're a new subscriber or have subscribed already to Insta, uh, sorry to YouTube, you will be entered into a giveaway for $50. Okay. One person. So there's one winner. Not yes. everybody gets it. Exactly. I want to make sure I stated that right last you time. You did. Okay. So that's for the month of June. So in July, we will Reset. do, a, do a, a drawing for everybody from June and prior. And then starting in July, it'll be the new subscribers in July, new subscribers in August, new subscribers. So one winner per month. Yes. But you have to be a new subscriber. You don't re-enter every month. Yes. Okay. So go there. Push the subscribe button right down there. Right down there. And do it. You could win 50. Dollar. Visa. <laughs> gift card, baby. Yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good? Okay. <laughs> did I clarify good enough? You did. Perfect. Perfect, right. perfect. This all helps Shift us space. to grow and bring you great more content. More yeah. great content. <laughs> That's right. And keep this podcast a reality. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next Monday for our next incredible episode. You may write us, rate us, review us. Remember to always stay curious, be vigilant, and don't touch my Sasquatch. Don't do it. Axelrod is visiting him right now, and they are talking about some shit. They're talking about some important shit. Peace. See ya. Axelrod. Video on El Camparutador. How the fuck on? Oh, fuck.
Let's go. Couldn't move your head, could you? Uh, it's more so fucking my beard up. Oh, that can't have that. Nope. That fucking sentence got me. Okay. That's what I was. Uh, the sentence. Yeah. Okay. Boop. The fuck was that? It was my foot on the chair. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> like a fucking bucket mirror. <laughs> Enveloping. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Pretty fucking good. That dog. was that was dope. <laughs> That's it. Did you call me bug? <laughs> I said dog, but sure. Yeah. Wow. All right. Time to piss. Fucking shit. This concludes our recording.